listening to Fire and Wine Podcast Season 1, Episode 2, Bad Kitty. Today, we'll discuss the things that have pissed us off about Game of Thrones, so let's get started. Hey guys, Barb and Sam here. Welcome to the Fire and Wine Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast is produced every two weeks for your enjoyment, so check in with us often and add our podcast to your favorite RSS feed, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at Firewine Podcast and Instagram, Fire and Wine Podcast. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. Hey. Season one, episode two. Woohoo! This episode, I just want to get it started with letting you know what wine we're drinking today, since we are the Fire and Wine Podcast. Oh, obviously. No. <laughs> we are drinking a rosé by Noble Vines Collection, and it is very tasty. It's very good. For this episode, we are discussing things that piss us off about Game of Thrones. Uh, a couple topics we'll be talking about will be Dorne, uh, the Greyjoys, Helen Reed, deaths that piss us off, our least favorite characters, and then we'll be closing the episode with some pop culture references. So, Barb, do you want to go ahead and just bring us into the episode and talk about Dorne? Let me talk about Dorne. Motherfucking Dorne. Fucking pissed about Dorne. Okay, look, I was so pumped for Dorne. So pumped. And I remember when the show was leading up to it, and you're like, Barb, Dorne's coming. It's great. You're going to love it. It's fucking great. Fucking Oberyn and fucking everybody. Everybody was so fucking great. I was just so excited. <laughs> I wanted you to be part of this experience with me. I wanted you to see the greatness that the books held for these characters. Prince Oberyn and Eliara. 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 We're going to go with Eliara. <laughs> they they blew me away. They were great. They embodied everything I was expecting for Dorne. They brought sexiness. They brought this sense of freedom to the stuffy world of King's Landing. I was, I was for it. I was all for it. And Pedro Pascal. Can we talk about this sexy man for a minute? Can we talk about him, please? He owned that role. It's the war I fight for Dorn when it comes to love. I don't choose sides. He owned it. And like I was just, I was in love with it. I was in love with Dorn from the minute we met him. And it was bittersweet watching them because we knew he was destined to meet his fate with death, with the hands of the mountain. We knew it was coming. And you're kind of watching that, you know, the fight scene go down. You're thinking there's like that ounce of hope he's going to win. But, you know, he doesn't. That's Well, that's with everything in Game of Thrones. You always watch with an ounce of hope. But, you know, that character, I mean, he just, he really just made me fall in love with Dorn. I was really excited. And I had very high expectations for what the next season would bring with Dorn. And then we meet the Sansa. The sand snakes. Okay, first of all, they were over-sexualized to begin with. I get it. Dorn's sexy. But we don't need to just focus on right, that. Right. They're tropical and warm and, you know, they wear these beautiful transparent outfits right. that make you think of, you know, yeah, just like warm clients and sexiness. And I think it was way off the mark. It didn't work. Yeah. And I think they were trying to have them be like mysterious and sexy and it failed miserably. Awfully. They felt really out of place. They felt really out of place to the entire world of Westeros to me. Like, it just like, I'm like, this isn't Dorn. Like, what is this? And I don't want to like trash the actors, but I think it was bad writing and bad act. Definitely, definitely a combination of the two. I am disappointed with they did such great job casting roles like Oberyn and right. Tyrion and, you know, just all these other mean characters. They were spot on. And then you get the Sand Snakes. You're like, what is this? Like, did the person call out that day who usually <laughs> does the casting? And, you know, like, Oberyn's death was 
the main focus for a while and it was all of them plotting the revenge for it but they sat around for like what two fucking seasons doing nothing just talking i'm like this is so boring there's more interesting storylines that they could have gone with and you did touch on that with your note and i think you should get into that with where they probably should have gone with the direction of dorn in the books at least this is you know gonna be my quote for the entire show in the books dorn is you know they're crafty and they have all these intricate plans and backstories and they're they're trying to set the Targaryens back on the Iron Throne, which you never would have known that from no. the show that they backed the Targaryens. They didn't back anybody. Right. They were, for, they were for sitting Dorn. around in right. the little pool area and just bitching about life. First of all, <laughs> I'm going to get angry. Marcella <laughs> get angry. doesn't die in the book. Oh, she doesn't. No, she's alive. She. Well, God damn it. She does get attacked and she's got a bodyguard with her who dies. A mace with her and saves her life and they get her back to King's Landing and she's alive, but she does. She's missing an ear and she's got a really terrible scar that's pretty resemblance to what Tyrion got during the Battle of Blackwater. Oh, really? Yeah. So she does come back a little disfigured, but girlfriend is alive. Right. And Eliara in the book, she never would have murdered Doran. She was not a vengeful, angry person. She... Like the show, she just sat around like pissed off the whole time. And like, I I could understand her rage. I mean, she just lost her lover. And I think in the show, he was the father to her children. Like, the Sand Snakes were her, her daughters, I yeah. think, in the show. I get that. But it's like she did absolutely nothing. And in the very end, she just fucked everything up. It was just a, it was a big mess. Dorne turned into a huge mess. And in the books, Dorne was they're making quiet moves, like I said, against the Lannisters, hoping to put the Targaryens back on the Iron Throne. Dorne had a son named Quentin. And he actually sent Quentin to find and marry Danny's because he wanted to align the two houses together against the Lannisters. I mean, obviously, the plan eventually backfires. And well, I mean, Danny, she wasn't having him. She just was not interested. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> yeah, not today. And uh, he got burnt to a crisp by one of the dragons. See, that would have been more interesting. That would have been great to see on the show. It would have been great to see Danny be like, no, 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 man, not today. Like, you're not my dude. And then just have the dragon be like, yeah. And instead, they brought them together for, what, an episode and then just killed the entire line of Dorn off. Right. In one shot. And I'm sorry, I feel like everything they did in the show made it look like avenging Oberyn's death was for nothing. Like, why did we have Oberyn? Why did we have all this shit go on a season prior for a shit show now and then for y'all just to be killed off in one episode? It just was stupid. I mean, so the the fight scene between Oberyn and the mountain was him trying to get revenge about his sister. His, yeah, his sister and, and, her, and, children. Her, and her children being mm-hmm. murdered. And that made sense. Which, right, yeah, because the Mad King was on the throne then, mm-hmm. and, you know, the babies were, in the book at least, they're bashed up against the wall or something. Yeah, and the and mountain was a Lannister man, yeah. wasn't he? He's always been he, Lannister. Yeah, always been a Lannister man. So I understand that part and it was a great scene and the way that they wrote out that episode was really well however the rest of Dorne just kind of fell through the plot lines and through a bunch of holes and they just they missed the mark on so many characters especially the sand snakes in general so the sand snakes in the show there's only three Uh, in the books there's eight god damn so Oberyn Prince Oberyn well his name is Prince Oberyn Martell he had eight bastard daughters and sand is the bastard name in Dorne like snow is the Mm -hmm. bastard name in, in the north and usually bastards aren't recognized by their parents, but Oberyn, he loved his daughters. He looked after all of them. And the three oldest, he took under his wing and he taught them the art of war and combat and fighting. And they became these fierce heroes that everyone admired. Admired. And they knew that who these sand snakes were. They're like, oh, no. Yeah, we ain't messing with the sand snakes. So which are the three oldest who they have in the show? (laughs) Those were it. That, I yeah. was not intimidated. That, I mean, the one with the whip, it. the one with the whip was pretty cool. Yeah, she was pretty neat. But the other ones, like the one, what is it? She called her Babara, the one that she, Lady Tyrell thought she was a man. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I loved, I loved that they brought her in just to insult the fuck out of him because I think they knew that there it was a lost cause. Like, let's just bring in the sassiest woman on the show and just rip him apart because that saved it for me a little we bit. We need a little bit of the the, <laughs> the, the comedic relief from that. Right. But other than that, I mean, they, they did not show or they didn't live up to the standards that the book had put in place for them. Like, Oberyn was called the Red Viper and mm-hmm. he trained his oldest three, Obara, Nymeria, and Tyene exclusively and extensively in combat. But we never really saw Tyene fight on the show. She was like a little mommy's girl. Right. She was scared when all the fighting was going down when Euron attacked them on the ships. Like she was hiding under under the deck with her mom. And Tyene, she was the third sand snake. She was mothered by Iliara. So, you know, I can see how she was maybe mommy's girl. But eventually in the book, she's poisoned by Queen Cersei. So she dies anyways. Um, oh, they did that in the book too? Yeah. Oh, okay. And cool. then the first sand snake was mothered by a peasant. So she was named in honor of her father, which is Obara Sand. And then she was killed by Euron Greyjoy. She got impaled through the stomach. And then Nymeria Sand, she was a second sand snake. She was mothered by an Eastern noblewoman. And she was named after the warrior queen Nymeria, along with the original ruling princess of Dorne. And that's who um, probably the queen is what Arya named her direwolf after, right? Well, um, not the sand snake. Not the, the sand snake, the, but the, the maybe the queen. Yeah, yeah, it was the queen that she named out Nymeria after. Oh, okay. Well, so Nymeria was strangled to death and hanged by Euron Greyjoy in the books. What a way to go. Yeah. Well, the end of Dorne. I was glad to see it. Not going to lie, because I was fucking tired of them. I, yeah. Like I said, they're just going to end up killing everybody <laughs> off. So they have to, they don't have to keep writing, writing about everybody. <laughs> like I just felt like at the end of it all, I was just like, what did I just watch? That was all for nothing. It was just a big mess, a big chaotic mess of just bad acting, bad writing, bad storytelling. I was done. I was over it the minute we met them. And we can't talk about Dorne without talking about this last little bit. Yeah. While we're talking about bad writing, let's go ahead and just talk about our favorite line. <laughs> the elephant in the room. The worst line that was ever created <laughs> by two men who <laughs> HBO hired. With like masters in creative writing. Masters in creative writing. And what was this line that they made, Bar? Please read it for us. <laughs> you want a good girl, but you need the bad pussy. You want... A good girl, but you need the bad pussy. Who thought of that line? Is it the stinky pussy the or sm- the bad pussy? Like, is it bad? Like, is it angry? Is it sour? Does it have teeth? Does he need to catch it? <laughs> What's, why is it bad? Okay, look. So, Teen Sand. My understanding here of this line: she's trying to tell Bron, who we love, Bron. Bron's great, but he was kind of in a little slump in his life. He just got his little castle, and he was about to be married. And then Jamie's like, "Nah, you're coming with me to Dorne to get my daughter." Fuck it. So he's a little depressed. He got locked up in jail. So he's like, what is life, right? So Teen's telling him, you're not destined to be a lord. You're meant for adventure. You need to have a life of excitement. So why couldn't she have just fucking said that? You had to say you need a bad pussy? No. Grab him by the face. Be like, Bron, live your life, bitch. Like, I'm coming for you. <sighs> like, made it as like a threatening tone. She could have been like, giving him like a, a note in a bottle. Like, she could have, <laughs> I don't know, anything. She could have poisoned him for, at this point, other than this awful line that she delivers to him. And I'm like, you know, you could have just said something like that and it still would have come across as sexy and smart. And, you know, it was a really, it could have been like a really good moment between Tian and Bron. I felt like, because one, I really did like them together. I like their interaction a lot. I love their interaction and you know going back to when they're in the jail cell like my favorite scene between the two of them was her fucking with him yeah like just sitting there you know like you know caressing her body and showing her you know her privacies like <laughs> right she's like oh look at me you know like, you want this and Brian's like hell yeah so yes and like i just i just loved how she was messing with him there i just love their interaction their chemistry together um the only thing i didn't understand though maybe i missed something how exactly did she poison him because remember when she's doing all of that and then he's like slowly choking like she's like you need the remedy or whatever she had 
had, like the little jar of. Oh, do you remember that? No, I don't remember how she. I did don't that. understand how the hell she poisoned him. I'm like, you've been sitting in like a jail cell like all day. Like now he's well, poisoned. They are the masters of poison. Though. They are. But I kind of was a little lost at that. But anyways, I was really sad to see Bron get on that boat and leave Dorne with Jamie and Marcella. I was like, you should have stayed, and you probably could have taught them how to act a little bit better. <laughs> no offense. Amen. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about Dorne anymore because. Fuck Dorn. Let's talk about the Greyjoys. I'm going to let you take the lead. I was so excited for the Greyjoys in the show. Again, like Dorn, I talked up the Greyjoys hard. You talked them up. I was like, these, they're hardcore. They don't fuck around. Dude painted the boards of his ship red because he's murdered so much. Like he's killed so many people (laughs) out on sea. Let me fuck cleaning it. Let me just paint it red. Yeah, no, like it's smart. I should just do that at home. Just paint the floor brown because my kids make such a mess. (laughs) Just paint all the wood. He was on to something. Right? He, he was on to something. On. <laughs> He's like, fuck this. I am off in these decks. He <laughs> was painting red. <laughs> so one of the things that pisses me off is the King Smoot. What was that? In the, in Did the we books, get that in the show? Yes. The kind of. Oh. So in the in the books, the King Smoot was this incredible chapter and the show took it and they turned it into the single handedly most disappointing book to show conversion I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, boy. So when the King's mood is held, any captain may put his name forward as a candidate for the rule to become the king. Among the Ironborn, it is said, every captain is a king of his own ship. For the King's mood, they can name three champions. And those three champions, they try to sway their fellow Ironborns with a speech to show his prowess, or they try to show gifts to prove his generosity. And only once a vast majority call out the candidate's name and proclaim him king, that is when the King's mood ends. Oh. So basically, like, you're trying to get everybody on everybody. your side. Yeah, you're trying to win everybody over, which is basically like elections are, if sure. you think about it. Makes sense. The whole point of Euron winning the King's Moot is because he has something that other people don't have. He has the dragon horn. But he didn't have that in the show. They didn't really talk about it at all in the show. Okay, I was trying to remember. So a dragon horn, this will bind dragons to his will when he blows the horn and therefore gives him the ability to conquer Westeros, or so he says. He's got my vote. So I'm going to read this. This is a quote from the book. He says, we are the ironborn and once we were conquerors, our writ ran everywhere. The sound of the waves was heard. My brother would have you be content with the cold and dismal north. My niece, Asha... Or what's her name in the... Yara. Yara in the show. My niece, even less. But I shall give you Lannisport, High Garden, the Arbor, Old Town, the Riverlands and the Reach, the Kingswood and the Rainwood, Dorne and the Marshes, the Mountains of the Moon and the Vale of the Aaron, Tarth and the Stepstones. I say we take it all. I say we take Westeros. Hot damn. Right? And he glances at the priest... All for the greater glory of our drowned god, to be sure. And for half a heartbeat, even Aaron was swept away by the boldness of his words. The priest had dreamed the same dream when he first seen the red comet in the sky. We shall sweep over the green lands with fire and sword, root out the seven gods of the septums and the white trees of the northmen. Crow's eye, Asha called. Did you leave your wits in a sigh? We cannot hold the north, and we cannot. How can we win the whole of the seven kingdoms? Why it has been done before? Did Balon teach his girl so little of the ways of war? Victarion, our brother's daughter, has never heard of Aegon the Conqueror, it would seem. Aegon? Victarion crossed his arms against his armored chest. What has the Conqueror to do with us? I know as much of war as you do, Crow's Eye, Asha said. 
Aegon Targaryen conquered Westeros with dragons. And so shall we, Euron Greyjoy promised. That horn you heard I found amongst the smoking ruins that were Valeria, where no man had dared to walk but me? You heard its call and felt its power? It is a dragon horn, bound with bands of red gold and Valerian steel graven with enchantments. The dragon lords of old sounded such horns, before the doom devoured them. With this horn, Iron Men, I can bind dragons to my will. Asha laughed aloud. A horn to bind goats to your will would be more use, Crow's eye. There are no more dragons. Again, girl, you are wrong. There are three, and I know where to find them. Surely that is worth a driftwood crown. And then everybody screams for his name. Well, I would. I mean, that's freaking great. I'd give him everything. I mean, I'd be like, dude, yeah, you're going to take me. Yeah. Like, I'm (laughs) shit. Hold that horn. (laughs) Give me that horn. (laughs) So that was A Feast for Crows, chapter 19. Well, hot and bothered now. So in the show, this is going to be this King's Moot was season six, episode five. Oh, is that what? (laughs) This was the King's Moot in the show. This was probably the very anticlimactic. Yes. There's just people standing around the water in the show. (laughs) So in the show, Theon is there and he basically abdicates his throne to Yara aka Asha, because she's Asha in the books. Mm-hmm. And Asha, she gives a pretty great speech, and she was interrupted. Rudely. Rudely. By a man. By a man. Of course. And Theon says, I am Theon, last living son of Balon Greyjoy, and she is your rightful ruler. Those who sailed under her know who she is. She is a warrior. She is ironborn. We will find no better leader. This is our queen. <sighs> the crowd goes wild, and they cheer for her. Here comes Uncle Euron. And then freaking Euron shows up. And he's basically like, I'm Euron Greyjoy. I claim the self throne. I have a large cock. A woman cannot be king. Jesus. Right? And then and then Yara's <laughs> like, dude, no, you killed my dad. Like, you killed a king. <laughs> and he's like, so what? <laughs> yeah. And Euron's like, okay, yeah. He's like, no one loved him. I apologize. I didn't kill him a long time ago. Oh, God damn. And then Theon, you know, he tries to stand up for Yara. And he's like, she was here for years while you're out gallivanting and not caring about us. And then Euron's like, I will gallivant over to Danny and give her my big <laughs> cock and my giant fleet and I will seduce her. And uh, everyone cheers. anything over here, buddy. Yeah. And everyone cheers for him. Like, they're so, oh, they're swayed so easily. Talk about the dragon horn. And Euron's like, you know, we're going to build a giant fleet. I'm going to seduce her. We're going to cut down trees. We're going to build a fleet. But yet the scene pans out. And there's no trees. There's no trees on any of the islands. <laughs> they're just a bunch of rocks. And then end scene. That was it. That was the, that was the King Smoot in the show. I love your contrast from the book to the show <laughs> because as a non book reader, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you go from like this really well fought out speech. I have a dragon horn. We're going to take back Westeros. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm all like, yes, daddy. And then we go to here and I'm like, who is this motherfucker? He's just got around talking about his cock. He's terrible. He, I hate Euron. I hate show. Euron. He's awful. And that was my largest disappointment. Book to show conversion for sure was the Greyjoys. And they make them seem like such, I don't know, I don't want to say the P word, but they are. Like they make them seem like such pussies. Pussies. And the show. <laughs> Bad pussies. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the books, they're like, they're, you know, like, they're a force to be reckoned with. I was they're, not intimidated like too much by them in the and show. And they go out and they murder and they kill and, and they, they take things and they claim stuff for their own. They and seem very disorganized and chaotic on the show. They're very chaotic on the show. Like the only good person in the show is Asha or Yara. 
I don't know why they changed her I name. I do like I get Yara. really confused by that. I don't particularly like Euron. I think he's, I mean, he's kind of living up to like the big headedness, you know, I'm Euron Greyjoy on the show. But other than that, I'm just like, all you do is talk about your penis size. No one, you probably got a small little Woody. Like, right. It's probably like you know, a In present day, he'd probably have like that really big lifted truck with huge tires and stuff and drive around and like Trying harass to compensate people. for something, buddy. <laughs> just show me your dragon horn. Shut the fuck up. Like I, now in the show, Mm-mm. I believe we did see a brief glimpse of of a horn on his waist they show i remember them because again my little spoilers that i always look at before the season comes out they released a still i don't remember when it was it was probably the season prior to him coming on the show because they had him i think it was another guy that was casted to be your and they had a still from like a boat and you could see them standing and he's standing there and he's got like a horn right that's what i thought on his waist and i'm like sam he has a horn and you're like that's the horn for dragons that's, like you're yeah. like oh my god I'm like and he's gonna bring down the wall back and do all these amazing things and then we get nothing so maybe that was cock. just someone fucking with us i swear to god i remember seeing that picture somewhere no, i remember seeing mm-hmm. a big horn on someone's like hip and i was like that is it that's right. the horn but it wasn't god damn it dnd whole fucking episode about dnd all right i just had to get that off my chest about how disappointed i was about the great joys because i was really disappointed about them <laughs> i mean i would be too i would be too well embarrassing to talk up somebody and then the show puts them out and you're like, well. <laughs> you talked up a lot of people on the show to me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what is this sam never you're never like talk about i remember these watching again. these episodes you're like barf barf i swear to god in the books are so much cooler i'm like are you sure what book are you <laughs> I'm reading just like so embarrassed. This is shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible Oh my god were you were you drunk when you're reading those books i'm <laughs> just making up my own storyline in the yeah, books i mean i wouldn't put it past you wouldn't be your first time i uh, probably wouldn't <laughs> uh there's um i do want to talk about howland reed a little bit i'm not going to get deep into howland reed but i just kind of want to bring him up briefly he was ned's best friend that was his, his boy boo. his boo-boo like they were bros bros before hoes bros before hoes man and and howland reed truly lived up to the hoes bros before hoes i mean this man has seen some shit and never said a word why are you just gonna write him off like that let me get into howland reed real quick i'm gonna read a quote from the book do it this is a brand point of view chapter the book is the clash of kings chapter 21 he tried to recall all he had been taught about the cranamen who dwelt amongst the bogs of the neck and seldom left their wetlands they were a poor folk Fishers and frog hunters who lived in houses of thatch and woven reeds on floating islands hidden in the deeps of the swamp. It was said that they were a cowardly people who fought with poisoned weapons and preferred to hide from foes rather than face them in open battle. And yet Hal and Reed had been fathers, Ned's, best friends during the war for the King Robert's crown before Bran was born. Something his father had told him once when he was little came back to him suddenly. He had asked if Lord Eddard, if the King's Guard were truly the finest knights in the Seven Kingdoms. No longer, he answered, but once they were a marvel, a shining lesson to the world. Was there one who was best of all? The finest knight I ever saw was Sir Arthur Duane who fought with a blade called Dawn, forged from the heart of a fallen star. They called him the Sword of the Morning, but he would have killed me but for Howland Reed. Right. A little backstory about the Reed family, uh, Howland Reed. The head of House Reed was Howland Reed. They had a sigil, which is a black lizard lion on a gray-green background. And they were Lord, he was Lord of Greywater Watch and leader of the Cran- Cranog Men of the Neck. Cran- that all just, Krangerman. Krangerman of the that neck. all just sounds creepy to me. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. You go in there and see a bunch of like turtle men walking like, around. Yeah, like little swamp men. Right? Yeah. Like little swamp <laughs> like, men. No, thank so, you. We'll pass. So Howland Reed's lack of information within the show and the novel is something that really irks me. We know that Howland was a close friend of Ned's. 
He was present at the tourney of Harrenhal, where supposedly Lyanna Stark dressed up as the Laughing Knight in defense after the squires were picking on him. She knows how to pick a fight. Girlfriend will play around. She's like, well, we're not going to do this today. No, she, not today. <laughs> we also know that besides Ned, he's the only survivor from Tower Joy Joy. Tower Joy Joy. And he knows the truth about John's parentage. However, Howland remains much of a mystery to us as he is missing in critical times of need during the War of the Five Kings. Ned was claimed a traitor by Joffrey in King's Landing, and he was beheaded. Mm-hmm. Rob calls his banners, and Howland sends Mira and Jojen to Winterfell. Are you serious? You're going to send your children. He sent his children, which granted... What's he hiding? But granted, Jojen and Mira were vital for Bran. They were. But like, how do you just disappear like that? He never shows up. Even after the Red Wedding, Winterfell is burning. Where Ramsay takes Howland? over. Where and still no Howland. Come like, he doesn't bring any of his men. He brings no forces. He doesn't... He's not really helpful. Like, what's going on? Is he stuck? Is he stuck there in the neck? Does the children of the forest have something to do with this? Because the children of the forest are deeply entwined with the Krangoman. Oh, really? Oh, is it like a historical tie? Yeah. Back in time? Yeah. So, like, they were known to kind of breed with the children of the forest. Freaks. Yeah. That's why they're so... That's why they were kind of weird. Probably do look like turtle men. frog-eating people. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm a little irritated. There's got to be more for Howland Reed. There's got to be something more about him. And I just wish that we were given more information about him within the book and in the TV show. You know, it's kind of irritating because they've only shown him once. The flashback. The flashback. When he stabbed Sir Arthur Dwayne in the back. And Bran's like, oh, shit. Howland Reed killed him, not my father, because his father retells a different story. My, My guess here, my prediction for Howland Reed is... I think probably Ned came out of the Tower of Joy Joy, baby John, and Howland's like, this is too deep for me, brother. And Ned's like, you know what? I'm going to give you a pass in life. You go home and pretend like we never met. You can live your life. I'm going to call my bannerman. You just stay at home. You chill. That makes, maybe. We're good. Yeah, maybe he was like, hey, we're listen. Good. We're going to cut all ties Never right here. speak a word about this. I will never ask for your help. I, I don't want you to tell a lie. <laughs> so I will never bring you, because Ned was honorable. Yeah, that was honorable. Mm-hmm. So he was probably like, I, I'm not going to ask you to lie for me. I'm not going to ask you anything yeah. ever. Just go home and pretend this never happened. I wonder if everybody at Helen Reed's home knows because Helen probably can't keep <laughs> a probably, secret. He's, he's like, like God damn it, I know too he's much. Like, he's like, guess what? <laughs> John Snow is a target. <laughs> the people are probably like, who's fucking drug ass? They're again. like, this motherfucker doesn't know what he's talking about. Eating too many frogs. <laughs> Um, Frog brains. <laughs> I mean, but really, who would believe him? Who would believe a man from the swamp running around Westeros being like, he has a Targaryen baby, and everyone's like, no, Ned's just a whore. Yeah, like, they're like, no, Ned was... Because Catelyn's pissed at him. I mean, everybody knows Catelyn's pissed at him. Right, they're like, no, so dude, like, you're totally making this up. He's, he's not whore. Targaryen. You're just, man whore. You're just drunk. Go and home, Helen. Eat too many you're drunk. frog legs. <laughs> Had, had sex with too many children of the forest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I, he's dead. You know, whatever. Maybe I don't Helen think he's Reed's dead. Dead. I don't think he's, he's dead. Alive. I think he's alive. I think he's alive and kicking. I'm pretty sure he's living his life in luxury right now because he's like, I ain't got to talk to nobody anymore. It's not my job. I've been cut of all ties. I'm just going to send my children to do my work so people think I care, but I don't. Fuck y'all. My kids are weird too, so yeah, well, you can take them. Right. <laughs> Who's going to believe that shit? Sitting in the little murky forest and here comes Jojen. I can see the future. Fuck off, Jojen. I don't know you. Jojen, get the fuck out of here. I don't know you. Actually, I think it was uh, said that um, Helen Reed had green dreams, too. Probably. They all did. They all have green dreams because they all eat green things. Y'all eat too many fucking frogs. (laughs) 
I'm going to start eating frogs, see if I can see the I'm future. saying the F word a lot this episode. Yeah. But fuck right. it. We'll, we'll put a disclaimer out before it starts. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little tipsy right now because of this one. <laughs> can't control my mouth <laughs> uh let's um i want you to kind of bring us into the death that pisses off oh let's just top it let's just top it top with the it number all. one the number one sir barristan sir barristan this bitch is still alive and kicking in the book yeah he is okay let me He's break it down ass in the book actually i'm gonna break it down i'm gonna give you a little backstory because i did some research on this mother girl you read that okay sir barristan was a knight in the king's guard for almost 40 years. He's, he's like he's like almost ready to retire. But he wasn't. He's like, I can still fight. I'm not leaving. But he got kicked out. We'll get into that. He's considered to be one of the best swordsmen and most honorable men in all of the Seven Kingdoms. He served as Lord Commander of the King's Guard for King Ares II, King Robert Baratheon. And he also served under King Joffrey, who we all know he was publicly dismissed under King Joffrey. Jerk. Which was considered an insult to him because the King's Guard is a lifetime commitment. Because of this, he decides to say, you know, middle fingers up to King's Landing. He's like, I'm gonna go find Danny and I'm gonna serve with her because screw y'all. You don't appreciate me. I'm gonna bring the Targaryen back in here because y'all don't know how to handle your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to note, though, like we said, even in his old age, Sir Barristan is a great fighter. He's fought many battles, and he's he's even had Jamie Lannister serve as a squire. He was that good. This is why his death, by the hands of a member of the Sons of the Harpy, which is a group of former slave masters who don't know how to fight, who have, like, rusty little daggers. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Running around with little masks on. They killed him, and it pissed me the fuck off. I'm like, this guy is supposed to be... And they gave him the worst death scene I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, just jumping out of nowhere. He's fighting. He's he's slashing them. You know, him and, and Grey Worm just, you know, kicking ass and taking yeah, names. Yeah, Wormy's kicking ass. And this little m- dude, I'm going to stop cursing. This little dude, <laughs> I get so worked up. I'm sorry. He comes out of a corner and just stabs him right in the chest. And he's like, ah! And I'm like, what just happened? Did he die? And like, here we were thinking, sorry, that got loud. Here we were thinking that Grey Worm was going to die. You know, it sets us up where Grey Worm's gonna die. So Barrison's gonna make it out of. He's a he's a tough mother. Like, how did Grey Worm live with? He had a spear, right? Grey right. Worm fought with a spear, mm-hmm. and then the greatest knight in the history of Westeros, of Westeros the Seven Kingdoms, <laughs> dies from a stab wound. Why did you kill him? D and D. Why? Well, I think they I'm wanted mad. to replace him. Devil's you can't advocate. Replace him. Devil's advocate. You real cannot quick. replace Sir Hold on. Devil's advocate. <laughs> because Sir Barrison was acting as her consul, like her mm-hmm. councilman. Councilman. Right. right. And so I think they wanted to put Tyrion in that role, which does not give them a right to kill the greatest knight of all time Look, because Danny could use many, many councilmen. Tyrion would have respected that man and his role. And he'd be like, Look, we can share this. We can share this woman. We can stand side by side and give I her mean, counsel. Yeah, Tyrion's smart. And he, like, first of all, just to have him as her personal bodyguard. I mean, I get it. Wormy's great. Like, we I love, love Wormy. But I would have rather him. You can't put Wormy over Sir Barrison. You can't. Ever. I, Never in any lifetime is Wormy better than Sir Barrison. Here's my thing. If you were going to kill him, kill him in a better way. Kill him by the hands of someone who can fucking fight. Right. Not a Sons of the Harpy. Like, piss off with that. That was such an insult. And even the actor, even the actor who plays him, when he found out, he again, this was out after the show has already premiered, he was pissed. He's like, why are you going to kill my character this way? 
I mean, come on. WTF? Now. Like, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, you know, when you put it in this, in this equation, you know, it makes you ask a lot of questions. So you got Sir Barristan Selmy, legendary knight, skilled fighter, plus the sons of the harpy, former slave owners turned insurgent group armed with daggers equals what the fuck a total wtf movement right what there. the fuck like i just don't understand it but back to you know with gray worm and, and the fight i really thought that sir barrison was going to survive that wound and gray worm was going to bite the bullet and then we were show danny and crew standing over his body and i was like i'm done with the show i'm done i, I almost threw my wine glass at the tv close to just turning tv off like dnd this was the moment for shock value Right. This was the moment for shock value and faking us out and then bringing him back and Danny kicking ass because you took him out of it and now I'm, I'm done. I'm just so worked up about his death. And I don't know a lot about him in the books, but just in the show, I loved him in the show. Well, he was pretty on point in the, in the show. I just loved his character. He was such a great guy. And like, he just, he really looked out for everybody and even serving under Joffrey of all freaking people. This man never changed his demeanor, his, his vows. And he did as he was supposed to. He was as honorable as Ned and he was obviously a great warrior. Anyone would have been lucky to have him on their side and he he was an old man and he's like i am serving till my death it's like, like until this i is, cannot walk anymore i am fighting yeah you're not taking my cloak from me and my sword and my title he's like no f this i'm you know what i'm gonna go I'm find a, Danny. i'm gonna find a woman who's gonna respect me she got dragons i'm gonna bring this queen but you said in the books he's still alive yeah he's still alive in the books <sighs> i just don't D&D. understand it yeah you know what they don't need to kill everybody off in the shows i don't understand really why they don't. feel like they and need you know, to murder he would have served really huge role in this fight that's to come he would have been a really good and i feel like in, the books in her ear that. in her ear especially when they get to westeros and they're meeting with john and he would have been valuable information to have on king's landing as well not only did she would she have Tyrion, but it'd be nice to have a second opinion i mean he started there under her. her father right he knew the mad king and she trusted him just solely for that because you know well, you and served he served my like, father in the in the in the books it was so sweet because she'd be like tell me about you know Rhaegar and he would tell her stories about how Rhaegar was so handsome and he could sing they did do that in the show did they yeah they did a little snippet of that in the show and that's when i was like please don't and kill he, this well, man. and he used to tell her stories about like her brother and her dad and he was like a connection to he her was, past right, that she couldn't he remember was, he was role model maybe for her and grandfather figure grandfather right thank you grandfather figure who would tell her stories of her family and her history and not necessarily the bad ones that she knows about how awful her father was because everyone knows Mm -hmm. that but he was like your brother was this great outstanding character and that was nice for her to hear how great Rhaegar was because you think about it you live your whole life thinking how awful your Your family must have been Mm -hmm. and then to hear some good news was probably really nice uplifting yeah, it's uplifting. She and needed that. D and D, I'll never forgive you for this. Like I'm, I'm really bothered by this death. Like I'm still not over it. And this was like what a few seasons back. It was a while ago. Yeah. I'm still not she over was, it. She was in Marine. Like I'm really upset about it because I really think Barristan and Tyrion would be just a force to reckon with. Danny would be unstoppable with both of those men behind her. Now John, John behind her. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's just get away from this guy because i'm just i could go on all day about sir barristan and why i think he should live and be like he's my granddaddy leave him alone let's let's go on to this next uh let's talk off. about stannis baratheon's death <laughs> we deserved to see him die yes we did why did you cut away from that is is he still alive no he's dead okay because, because... ramsey told us he's dead well uh, he told his father he's dead that's how we heard it 
We heard it through like secondhand news. Like we we heard it through gossip that he was dead. Can I Do say it. something? Can Just I go. say something? Just okay. This is our podcast. You can say whatever you want. I'm a little drunk and I'm a little angry. <laughs> I'm raging over here. That's this episode's our rage episode. <laughs> so we watched him kill his brother, Renly. I was I didn't really like Renly, so I wasn't really sad to see him go. Maybe you liked Renly a little bit more. Hey, you still killed your brother. Again, not that we were really crying over him, but Brienne was, and that was enough for her to us care because yeah. we love Brienne and she's such a sweet person. It's like, you love Renly. Renly looked out for you. Like, you killed your own daughter. Hmm. Not, we're not getting into that. Let's yeah. move on. We talked about that before. Yeah. And then we saw your wife, you know, come to terms with your sacrifice for your daughter. And she's like, oh, we are horrible people. She killed herself. And we got to watch your wife kill herself. So we deserved you to see you die. We deserve to see Brienne cut your head off. Why did we go through an entire two or three seasons of Brienne chasing this man down, talking about how she's going to avenge Renly's death? Well, she's going to be the one to kill Stannis, only to cut away in that moment. Well, and I remember Pod. <laughs> Pod! So this was <laughs> Pod, what's your secret? Oh, Pod. <laughs> in the show, Pod was like, he had like a couple rabbits and he had like a bunch of firewood and he's like walking around and all of a sudden he sees like this large army coming at him. And I will never understand this, but he drops his rabbits and he drops his wood and he runs. I'm like, dude, you just did all that work. Like, bring yourself with you. Bring it with you. It's not yeah, that take heavy. It with you. So, so he runs. So he runs to Brienne, and he's like, "There's an army. It's Stannis's army." And she's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "I saw the banners. Like, it's him. Like, he's coming." And she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill that motherfucker." Right. She's like, "I'm gonna kill him." Yeah. And she's like, "Pod, you did and well." She's supposed to be waiting on Sansa. And she's like, "Fuck Sansa. Fuck Sansa. I'm gonna kill Stannis." She's like, "I'm coming." I'm, and we're like, "Yes, Brienne. Yes, like, yes girl, girl, get it, get it, get it." There's a cut scene, and it goes to Stannis, and he's in the woods uh, fighting against Ramsey's army. Ramsey's army, his twenty good men, right? And blood everywhere, dead bodies all over the place. And Stannis is like leaning up against a tree, and he's bleeding out from all over the place. And Brienne's standing above him, and she's got her sword at his neck. And I'm like, yes, girlfriend, just true and straight, just plunge it through. Do we ever get the satisfaction of that? No, no satisfaction in that Brienne scene. Brienne deserved this moment. The actors who played these roles deserved. This and I moment. know you guys shot that scene. I know that she's coming for you. Of my heart <laughs> that that scene was shot and they cut it out just to mess with us. It's shock value. This was not the time for shock value. I needed to see, see the thing this. with shock value. If you do it too much, it's no longer called a shock value. It's not shocking. It just pisses us it's off. It's just annoying. And like, now we're mad. Sh- like a shock value is every once in a while, but if you're giving a shock value every other scene, it's not a shock value anymore. It's not. I just really felt like it was really cheap. And I mean, am I wrong? Thinking is disrespectful for the actors. You're playing this role for so many seasons talking about, you know, like, this is my role. I'm going to avenge this person's death and so and so. And this is the line you have to keep saying. And then you finally get your moment to shine and it's taken from you. It's messed up, man. But look, the other thing I didn't like, I didn't like the speculation between season five and season six of, is he alive? Did he die? Brienne didn't really kill him. I'm like, yes, she did. Well, she freaking killed is, him. Because this is Jon Snow all over again. Is he dead? Is but he alive? But it's like, you already did that once, like you said. Like, you already did the shock right. value with this once. It's played out. We're not buying it. You're just frustrating the fans now. I'm not here for it. And it really irritated me. And I didn't appreciate coming back to season six being told that he's in fact dead by Ramsey Bolton. I don't care. You didn't kill him. Brienne killed him. And you just took away that from her, too. Like, the whole thing just pisses me bitter. off. <laughs> I'm bitter I'm about really, this. I'm a bitter woman. <laughs> I hate that scene so much. I hate the way it was shot. I didn't appreciate I it. I didn't like the way they looked at each other. I didn't like it. <laughs> Y'all need to reshoot that and come back to me and I'll give you notes. Like, I mean, I just it was just really frustrating for me. I was really anxious to see him get it. And they took it away from us. I wanted his to be like a really painful, really slow, dried out death. And we didn't I didn't get even it. want that. I just want to see her cut his head off. 
too. And she'd be like, it is done. And like, hack like, it. Like, like she's, hack it that's all I want to see. Her slice his head off and just be like, it is done. And then walk away. Yeah, and like, acknowledge her sword like, and go save that, like, Her oath was finished. Her oath to Renly was finished. Right. And now she's going to continue her next oath. To the Starks. To the Starks. Lady Stark. Excuse me. It was not to the Stark family. It was just to Catelyn Stark. Catelyn Stark. Was her oath. But fuck it. It's yeah, all the same. Whatever. Semantics. It's all the same. But that's what I wanted, and I didn't get it, and I'm bitter. This next one's good. We owe this guy an apology. This I, I know you guys see the memes going around, but we do owe the Night Watch guy from season one, episode one, opening William. scene. William. Will. I don't know if it's William, but I like William. Yeah, whatever. Will. William. Really Willie. Official. Big Willie. William. Willie Big style. Willie. So we, we all maybe owe him an apology for Ned lopping off his head. Well, because- I mean, we didn't lop his head off. I guess maybe no one believed him, but we did because we saw it. But looking back now, like knowing how creepy and how scary and how vast the army of the Night's Watch is, bitch, I'd run too. I'd be like, dude, you're totally right. Like he didn't even, did he even have a sword? I don't think he had a sword. He probably wasn't thinking clearly and he was like, oh shit, oh shit, There's oh shit, zombies oh shit, out here. oh shit, oh shit, I'm oh shit, getting out oh of shit. here. And just going. Right. And, you know, and then like someone found him and he's like still traumatized. And then they're just like, well, we got to cut your head off now, dude, buddy. we got to kill you. And he's like, no, 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 but these, they're coming and they're like, okay. And it's like he almost sure. didn't care that they were going to cut his head off. He's like, I just want you to listen to me. And Ned's like, Mm-mm, I ain't got time for that. We're just he's like one who passes a sentence must swing the sword. And he's probably sitting there like, God, this guy's so fucking noble. It makes my eyes bleed. <laughs> <laughs> just cut my head off already. <laughs> Will, we're sorry. So we're sorry, Will. We're not going to get into this, but we're just we're, we're sorry. sorry. <laughs> There's a death that I and you, of course, we're really sad about. Actually, maybe not so angry, just a little sad. And this was Ray, played by Ian McShane. I'm gonna let you talk about Ray. So Sandor Clegane, the Hound, after he was injured in battle with Brienne, I remember he fell off the cliff, and Arya comes up, and she's like, "No, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna let you suffer in your wounds and die." But he didn't die. Well, dun, 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 Ray dun. found him, nursed him back to health. We come to find out that Ray was once a warrior turned Septim, but now he serves the Seven Gods, and they're out there, you know, living that hippie life, building some huts to worship their gods. Just, you know, build things. Ray looks food. like the kind of guy who probably just smokes a little too much and just chills. Yeah, no no shoes on his feet. Right. He's like, hey guys, life is good, man. Life is good. I mean, he saved the hound and he's like, dude, you're cool. And the hound's like, no, I killed people. And Ray's like, so have I, man. Just sit down, smoke a J and chill your life out. Like, you know, we're just building some stuff over here. He's like, here. hey, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna talk this through. This was the it. most, this was the most chill I ever felt watching this show. Let me right? just say, like, I'm watching this episode, I'm like, this dude is cool. Like your blood pressure just <laughs> Kind of falls. You never realize how like high little, it was. Like a little kitten purring on your lap. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> this on, guy is like a ray of, ray of sunshine. Ray? Oh my uh, God. I see where it's going. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> but anyways, you know, Sander, you know, Sander the Hound is feeling guilt still over his past sins. And Ray's like, you need to let that go. Like, you know, you're not just chill. So, but the Hound just wants to be punished for them. What It was so sad. And this is, I hate the Brotherhood Without Banners. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of them. I, there's mixed feelings about them because they are an unorganized group. Some do well. They some got the do. ruffians in there causing yeah, havoc. So, I just don't like them. So there's, yeah. They're too, just, they're too unorganized. Yeah, they're they're very much a... Like I get their their outlaw sort I get of group. their uh, their message, but they're yeah. not executing it very well. So these three assholes from this, they come upon the village and they they're trying to extort these guys for money. Well, they don't have money. They're hippies. They they're building stuff. You know, I'll smoke with you, but I ain't got no money. They got no shoes. Like, leave them alone. This is not the people you want to hit up for money. Like go to the next town. Yeah. So I mean, they eventually come to terms with well, these people have no money, so they leave supposedly. But they come back later, you know. And the hound the whole Which time. Which the hound is like, yeah, he's like. Leave Hey guys, alone. they're gonna come back. Yeah, like, just, like we, you need, we to need to go. Yeah. Well, of course, they come back and they kill everybody. 
the hounds out there eating chicken, chopping wood, and he comes back and sees Ray's body. And I'm like, come on. Like, and that was such a heartbreaking moment to yeah. see that look on, on the hound's face because yes. he's like, that was my friend. For him, he was like that moment of clarity. Yes. He needed that. He was like, this was a good man through and through, and he still got murdered anyway. So for him, he was like, it doesn't matter what you do in your life. You could be a good person, and you're still going to die, right. and it's not up to you. Right. And Ray really helped the Hound work through some shit. Yeah. And he's not completely healed, but and I kind of want to go back to our first episode, and I feel bad for not mentioning him. The Hound is probably one of my favorite characters. I love the Hound. I love how complex he is. You first see him, he's so rough and tough, and you're like, he's kind of scary. Like, you don't really know where to think he is, like, where he stands. And then in the first season, he's a piece of shit. Like, he's killing kids. Like, he's doing everything Joffrey's telling him to do. But you start breaking down those layers, and you see how big of a softy he is, how much he looked after Sansa and Arya and, and all these people, and he has regrets. I mean, he's tough, and he's he's done really bad things, but he has remorse. And I love seeing Ray come into the picture. Like, that was such a great episode. It was wonderful. And I love seeing him break down those layers the of the hound. The first half of the episode is very uplifting. Yes. Until you get to the end. Till the end. Well, he was eating his bucket. And that's where words. it was kind of like, you got to remember, this is Game of Thrones. But I was not happy to see that. I'm like, I wanted, I wanted to see Ray. I wanted to see Ray get through this and then go march off to the north with the hound. Like, how awesome would that see? Like, Ray, it was warrior turned septum back to warrior. Back could to you ass have kicker. given us like one happy ending? Or like, you know, the hound could come back and Ray's the only survivor and he just whooped everybody's ass. Like, I mean, yeah. And Ray's Emmy, like, Ray's Emmy like, award winning scene right there. He's like, drops his sword. He's like, let's go, the hound. And the hound's like, let's go. He eats, here's some of my chicken. So I feel kind of bad talking about this. It doesn't really make me mad. It's just, like you said, it's it's a sad scene. It's a it sad was really scene. Sad. And we we didn't like it. So I felt like it, it had room on this episode. I agree with you. I mean, the episode was good. It's like one of those like hard, you know, lines Double where it's like, sword. we really liked it. Yeah. But it's like, I could have done without it because now it just made me really sad. Yeah, it's kind of depressing now. Yeah. That, so, well, well, you know what? Let's just get pissed off again. Let's talk about our least favorite characters. <laughs> Let's talk about Catelyn Stark. I've been waiting for this bitch. Does anyone like Catelyn Stark? Nobody, if you do, I don't like you. Nobody likes Catelyn Stark. <laughs> nobody. She tops my list of least like characters in the entire series. Can I break it down a little bit? Can you please break this down? As a wife, let me just make this clear. As a wife, I totally understand her anger and her feelings of betrayal towards Ned, especially when he brings home John from the Tower of Joy, saying like, oh, here's my baby. You know, I just went to war and I'm bringing home a baby. Like, I'd get that. Like, I would castrate a man. I would be pissed, of course. But I can't, for the life of me, understand why she's so mean to John. He's, first of all, he's an infant. Newborn. Innocent. He's innocent in all of this. Yes. This whole storyline, John is innocent. Yes. And I mean, I understand your husband's bringing home a baby that's not yours. You don't want to take care of it. I understand it. But at the end of the day, it's an innocent baby who has no knowledge of its lineage, parentage, none of that. And he had no control over Ned and being a man whore. Like, I mean... <laughs> Which he really wasn't. It's really an innocent party in this. Was it uncomfortable and frustrating to take care of a child and being told by your husband you have to take care of the child? Yeah, I get that. And I can understand why that would make someone a bitch. But you didn't need to be so nasty to a baby. It wasn't his fault. She had the opportunity to turn this into a better situation and embrace him and make him a real part of the family. But instead, she chose to annihilate him and make him feel like the bastard that he is. Right. And he didn't demand you to care for him, Catelyn. He was a goddamn baby. He was a baby. He was a baby. He can't even talk pisses himself i mean he's not sitting there telling <laughs> you <laughs> telling you change my diaper mommy no he's not 
It's just trying to picture John Snow peeing himself. <laughs> Everybody poops. <laughs> Let's just make that clear right now. No one's perfect. But my thing is, if you don't want to take care of this baby, you are the lady of Winterfell, the woman of the house. Get old Nan to take care of this baby. Or better yet, find someone within the walls of Winterfell. You know there's women laying around. Take care of this baby for me. Give them a couple, you know, bags of coin. Be like, take care of this baby. Push your duties off to someone else. Right. Hallelujah. Take care of my child for me. (laughs) Well, it's not even my child. Take care of this child for me. And so I don't need to worry about it or look at him. Because she had totally has the means. I mean, they're in Winterfell. That's the largest house in all of the North. She's got the coint. I mean, just... That is Warden of the North. She has plenty of money to do it. You could have found someone to There's take care of him. There's plenty of wet nurses there. Or just Old at least play that role it. for you. Like, come into your house and take care of the baby for a few hours a day while Ned's around. And then be like, you know, skedaddle. Yeah. Or when he's not around, rather. Like, Ned's gone. Okay, you come in now and take care of the baby. And when he's back, I'll pretend like I'm... And I feel like Ned was gone probably a lot. But see, even then back then, you know, the mothers weren't expected to really take care of the children anyways. They were no. raised by wet nurses. So yeah, it's like, just push it off. Let John live his else. life. But uh scene that really pissed me off with Catelyn was back in, I think it was season one. It was probably like one of the first few episodes. It was after Bran got pushed out of the window because okay. he was in a coma and John's leaving for the wall. So he comes in and he's trying to say goodbye to Bran. He's like, I'm leaving. I just want to say goodbye real quick. And Catelyn's just like sitting there knitting her little creepy little um, voodoo doll. Uh, the Blair Witch uh, figures. <laughs> I don't know what they were. They were <laughs> I creepy. think they were like voodoo dolls that she was making. I don't know. The bitch is crazy. I know. I Like in the books, I believe it was voodoo dolls. Voodoo dolls. Yeah. House Tully. Yeah. Maker of voodoo dolls. Girlfriend was making voodoo. In 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 the books, she had a voodoo doll and she was talking to Jane, um, who is Rob Stark's wife. I forgot what her name was in the show. But no, Talissa. she Talissa, yeah. She was making voodoo dolls in the books. Or Talissa. Talissa. Whatever. Talissa. Her name's Jane. Fuck you. I don't care. Um, but yeah, it's just so he walks in and you can see in this moment, regardless of his status as a bastard. He loves his siblings. Bran's comatose for Christ's sake. He was just pushed out of a window. No one knows exactly what happened, but they know he's he could die. He's leaving for the wall. He's never going to come back to Winterfell so far as he knows. He just wants to say goodbye to Bran. She's Brand. never going to see John again. This is what she wanted. Right. All along, this is what she has wanted. So all he wants to do is say goodbye to Bran. He doesn't really say anything to Catelyn. So he leans towards him like he's going to like kiss him on the head or give him a hug or whatever. And she's like, how dare you touch my son? Get out now. And I'm like, what the hell? Calm your tits. It's not that big of a deal. He's just saying goodbye. He's leaving, which is what you wanted him to do all along. Because of this scene, I've never been able to get over her character. And this is way back in the beginning. I've hated this woman. Like, she just gets under yeah, my no, skin. Yeah, I never liked I never liked Catelyn. Um, and even more so in these redeeming moments we have with her during the show when she's talking to um, Talissa, Rob's wife, who said is Jane in the book. Yeah. This is around season two. She's talking about the regret that she's had wishing John w- was sick. Instead of her own children, praying for him to die. Then he gets sick and almost dies. And she's like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. I wish for this. Like, shut the fuck up already. Like, I don't I don't feel sorry for you. You're a piece of shit. You really are. Like, and I, again, I understand her frustrations as a woman, as a wife. I get that. But it's like to take this anger out on an innocent child. I'll just never understand it. No, it makes Especially no sense. when you're in that position where you could just get someone else to take care of it for you. And in, in the books, there's a scene where she's it's after Rob was killed after the Red Wedding. And she is Lady Lady. Stoneheart, who I like Lady Stoneheart much better than I like Callan because she's very much revengeful and she had a specific goal in mind. And kicking she, ass and taking names. She was kicking ass. 
So Lady Stoneheart, she was talking to Jane and she was talking about how regretful she was that she didn't treat John better. And she basically was going on and saying like, how could I have been so mean to a child? And she was like, I should have taken him in and I should have cared for him like he was one of my own. I'm like, well, girlfriend, it is too late for that. Too late, too bad. No one cares. 20 years to bring this child under your wing and keep him as one of your own. And, you know, a spoiler, but in the <laughs> in the books, Rob legitimizes John as a Stark and leaves Winterfell to John. Oh, and really? he signs this will in front of Catelyn. And so Catelyn is aware that John is to be head of House Stark. And she is one of the only other people. There's one other person, and forgive me, I can't remember who else signed it. It may have been a Mormon. I'm not sure. So she understands how vital John is to the family and that he was a full member of the Stark household. And she's feeling all these regretful emotions Mm -hmm. now that her oldest or eldest is dead and the other two are missing and basically everyone's gone. (laughs) And she's like, oh my God, I should have been so much nicer to Jon Snow. I'm like, "Eh, you can't go back and make up those last, you know, 15, 20 years. Because am I wrong? She was just outright nasty to him. No, you're not wrong. She like, was. I understand, she's a bitch. I understand not having a connection, not getting along necessarily, but just to be that vicious towards him, I just never understood it for one minute. I just never understood it. And it's like, you know, if you're that upset, then take it out on your husband. But she was fine with Ned. And don't get me wrong. Didn't Ned and Catelyn share like deep secret? Why couldn't he tell her? Why didn't you tell her, Ned? He could have saved himself a lot of trouble. I mean, I understand not telling her in the moment because they were just newlywed or probably just a few years in, right? Because Rob was th- just no, an I infant. Think they were pretty newlywed yeah. at that point. So because he left. Yeah, I understand in that moment not telling her right then and there. But, you know, you could have waited a few years and see that the trust was building because you, y- y'all have been sharing secrets like your whole time together. Right. You were sharing secrets all throughout season uh, one. I mean, John about Aaron. The yeah. And John Aaron's death. Right. Up until Ned's execution. Couldn't you maybe found a time to tell her? Oh, by the way, John's not mine. I mean, it's my sister's baby. I'm just taking care of him. Right. Don't like, kill hey, me. Hey, like, listen, <laughs> by the way, he's a Targaryen and this isn't really my child. So can you just try to lighten up on being so rude to him all the time i just never understood why they just couldn't do that like why I couldn't mean, they, i mean just just that could have been like another i mean i know they couldn't tell it in season one because then it's going to give away the whole story plot around john snow but it's like maybe he wrote like a secret letter to her somewhere and we could have found it a little later or you know i mean, I don't know she or could, just maybe just so, drop the like, hint like she's not my baby known the entire time however they devil's, yeah. devil's advocate which I love to play. I kind of understand where he's coming from because he needed everyone to believe that John was his child. Like he needed everyone because to Robert believe so bloodthirsty on Targaryens, right? Robert wanted to murder every Targaryen child and this was his nephew and this was the only thing that he had left in Lyanna and he had to protect his baby and so he had to follow this lie to his grave and that's what Ned did and he did it well. But Robert did die before Ned. Ned could have just penned a little letter to Catelyn. But jo- like, was Joffrey any better though? No, but I don't think Joffrey would have caught it. Joffrey was kind of stupid. Uh, no, Joffrey is very vengeful. I think he probably would have been the like, show, murder Jon Snow. he was kind of stupid until people pointed stuff out to him and then he was like, oh, off of the head i'm like he didn't fucking yeah care. but he still had the lannisters and cersei and tywin <sighs> and you know so like i, I understand i understand i understand why he stuck with this lie and he just held on because if you think about it, it probably was just easier for him to be like i get that i'm like i get it in a sense like but did they really need to go this did route you with really her being need to like, like maybe she could have just known and years. she could have just been a little kind of like off with him his whole life but she didn't need to be so nasty like i think if she if he would have told her like hey i'm gonna tell you something right now i know we just got married and this look 
looks a little bad and you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I found my sister. She's dead, but this was her baby. Like, we cannot tell anybody. Right. You could at least trust your wife. And, be and like, I don't think she would have like, told can anybody. Can you play along when there's no, when there's people around and kind of be like mad at me? But can you treat John a little nice? We don't have Murray back here, but <laughs> to verify the DNA. You are not the father. <laughs> But just take my word for it, boo. He ain't my child. Just just be okay Would with it. Would you believed him? I would have. I would have because he was out there looking for his sister. Yeah. And Ned is very honorable, so. And Howland. Were you at Howland? You could have just. He could have stepped in any time. could have smoothed that well, whole no, situation you know what? over. No, Howland bowed out. He's like, I'm not part of this anymore. <laughs> and Ned's like, I got you, bro. Just go home. Howland's like, and I'm out. You're never going to talk to me ever again. Oh, man. Okay, so this leads us on to our next least. I don't really want to get into Rickon too much, but I just want to say that uh, his death was like the one of the worst, stupidest deaths. Because not only did he die during one of our favorite scenes, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, our favorite episode, I'm sorry. Battle of the Bastards. Battle of the Bastards, which we're super excited about. We made t-shirts like we were all in it. We went all, it was Super Bowl. So I remember, I know you remember, we were watching Rickon and he was on that field and Ramsey had the bow and arrow and he was shooting right and rickon ran in a straight line and i was screaming you were screaming this was like watching super bowl sunday this was our super bowl sunday like football like you know i was screaming i was like zigzag zigzag <laughs> i was like dude don't run in a straight line you need to side to side this shit <laughs> you fucking idiot i was screaming <laughs> at the tv and rickon you know, and then John's like, dur, 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 dur. he's like Trying coming at him on his horse, and he's like, "I'm gonna get you." And then, like, you reach that moment, and John's hand is out, and Rickon's hands out, and they're almost touching, and then the arrow goes <laughs> straight right through him. And I get like they're trying to like fire up John Snow, like, "Oh, I gotta kill Ramsey. He killed my brother, but he raped your sister. Isn't that enough?" Uh, I mean, Rickon could have saved himself. But Rickon, John doesn't need to save everybody. Rickon's death kind of takes away from the whole fact of why John is going after Ramsay. Like, John's going after Ramsay because Ramsay took Winterfell, or the Boltons took Winterfell, and uh, because Sansa's like, he was horrible, he raped me, all this. Like, John was pissed about that. Rickon's death just kind of took away from all that, because in that moment, John's like, oh, hell no. Was, you know, we were like, yeah, John, get him, get him, get him. But yeah, I was like, John, whoop his ass. But it just, it felt really cheap. I'm like, why are you going to kill this guy? First of all. First of all, the show could have just written this guy off entirely. How many times did we see we this kid on screen? on a boat and just How many off lines and never did he have? Hodor had more lines than Rickon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could have saved the budget a little bit, brought Ghost back for a few more episodes Something. and just wrote Rickon I mean, off. You know, I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Rickon. No. I just, it was stupid and it He's just, not detrimental to the show. No, he's not. Uh, the next one is Stannis. We're going we're gonna to touch back on this just a little bit. Um Going back to whole, like, you know, why we should have saw him die is because he was a piece of shit. Sanus was a piece of shit. He was arrogant, full of himself. He killed his daughter. He sacrificed her to his fire god. And after that, I was like, I'm over you. Like, he well, was funny he as a grammar, his, you know, the grammar police. Loved the grammar police. Right. Loved it. That was probably the best part of Sanus, or the only redeemable part of Sanus <laughs> right. was that he was a grammar and Nazi. And the, those sweet moments we had with him and Shireen, because we know he loved his daughter, but then, like, with... Melisandre getting into his brain, like, oh, you got to save your men and sacrifice your daughter. I'm like, can you not? King's blood and all this other like, crap. Just shut issues. the fuck up already. Just go away. So, so that she was the reason why I didn't like Stannis. First of all, Stannis killed his brother. Like, why you got to kill your bro? I don't even understand why they're warring with each other anyway. Stannis was older. He had the, he had the right to the throne. Well, Renly had a Renly really did. large army. Yeah, but Renly didn't. In the line of secession, Renly, Renly did not have the right to the throne. Stannis did. So I don't even understand. popular, though. I don't even understand where this came from. Like Stannis and just wanted his men. Second of all, 
he cheated on his wife yeah. with Red Bitch. Oh, I would too. And she flashed it in it. her face. Like, he wasn't even trying to hide it. Well, she she kind of wanted that, though. She was a freak. No. No, she liked Melisandre. She was like, it's she, okay, I understand. Well, and she was watching her blood in, and all this. in the bath. Blah, 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 Remember, blah. she was like, oh, look at you, taking Some a bath. freaky stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it was weird. Dragonstone. I mean, still, still people. you cheated on your wife. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. And then... To top it all off. To top it all off. This is why Sam hates you so much. on the top of your of ice this, cream of this Sunday the shit ice cream Sunday he imprisoned the onion knight the blessed onion knight Sir Davos my boo boo my Sir Davos he imprisoned that. him we don't do that in this house you do not imprison Sir Davos you already cut his fingers off you did enough to this man he did nothing to you he, he was looking out for you and he was looking out for him Sir Davos is the greatest man in the history of had the a, world not this, Westeros but the world Stannis Baratheon was like the driest piece of shit in Westeros but Sir Davos was like, no, he's a good guy. I got him. And he's like looking out for him. And then, you know, Stannis is like, no, you're going to go to jail because you tried to kill Melisandre. Like, because she's horrible. Because she's terrible. And, and you know, in the end, <laughs> I am glad that Sir Davos failed because she did bring John back to life. And Sir Davos was like, yeah. hey, if, if any skeezy back ass bitch can bring someone back to life, it's, it's her. <laughs> he's like, I got a girl. <laughs> he's like, I know a person. Let me make a phone call. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't like Stannis because he just didn't appreciate Sir Davos. You need to appreciate Sir Davos. Jon Snow appreciates Sir Davos. Jon Snow Sir did, Davos so. found his home with Jon Snow. I'm glad that he Aegon moved on Targaryen. To, to a better person. It's Aegon, right? He's Aegon. Aegon Targaryen. I don't know why yeah. I'm drawing a blank. But he found his home. He's happy where he's, he's at. He's with a better man. He's getting cuddles so, at night. So F you, Stannis. Fuck you, You're out of here. You suck. Okay, next one. <laughs> this is a good one. Lancel. Fucking annoying plot. <laughs> the worst. One of the worst characters on the show okay, is Lancel. Okay, he starts out horrible. Okay, he killed her HBIC, Robert Baratheon. He's got awful hair. Terrible That's a terrible hair. wig that, that they put on. Y'all could have found a better wig. I get that it was Cersei's idea to kill Robert all along, but Lancel was actually the one to do it. What I couldn't stand, though, was how he thought he was so cute. He thought he was, like, the shit. You remember that scene we saw when we finally saw the connection between Lancel and Cersei, other than being cousins, but she's, like, having sex with him, and he's laying in the bed all seductively, like, paint me one of your French girls. I'm like, girl, you're not cute. She doesn't like you. She's using you. She he's, loves Jamie. He was a gay man. I don't understand. Like, to me, was he gay? No, but to me, the way he acted, he should have been in bed with Renly and not with Cersei. That would have been cuter. That would have been much cuter. I would have been all for that scene. But I mean, I just didn't like his attitude. He really thought he was all that in a bag of chips. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. And she gets hired at him real quick. Oh, yeah. And then he doesn't even redeem himself. He just makes himself worse by if joining the High Sparrow. Oh, my God. And then after that, I'm that. just like, I forgot he did that. <laughs> you remember that? The little uh, relig- uh, religious now, zealot now, running now around that, King's now Landing? Said, I remember him with the short hair and the thing on his head. I totally understand now. He's so awful. So when he got his ass blew up by Cersei. I wasn't sad. When he's crawling around in the tunnels trying to find the, put the candle out for the, the wildfire. I'm like, oh, it's good. Side note. And I'm going to get back into this when we talk about our next, or least liked character. That scene, Cersei blowing up the sept. Hands she down. won me over. One of the best she scenes won ever. me over. She's such a horrible character, but I don't know what it was. I feel like she embodies all of the emotions I feel on a daily basis with life. You're like, I just want to blow and her And she's just up. sitting there in the window drinking her wine, watching the shit blow up around her. I'm like, I love this woman. She's like, I love her. She's like, watch my fireworks. Baby, I'm a firework. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I just, I know she's so despicable and like, she's disgusting and she's horrible and she does all these really bad things, but I'm just like, I love her. I just love Cersei. 
And I want to see her get it. I want to see her die. But I'm just like, I love her. And that I moment was a step, complex with her because I love her and I hate her. I know. But I don't hate her. I don't know. I don't hate I don't, her that much. I don't hate her. Hate's a strong word. I don't hate Cersei. I'd probably be I friends just love with her. her. I'd probably be friends I with her. I probably would be too. But I'd, I'd like, like you know, I'd walk in the room with I the last minute and be like, oh shit, you blew the sept up. You need more wine? Okay. Like, I'd just be there, like, feeding her wine. Like, we're cool. And I'd stay on her good side. Like, like she's a person like that you would only well. hang out with, like, Friday nights after work to get drinks. Right. And that's basically it. But I would totally high five because her for she keeps that stuff. your life interesting. I don't know. I just love that scene so much. I know people were like sad that Marjorie died. I'm like, I don't fucking care about Marjorie. I don't care about her. I really didn't care about anybody who's in that septum. No, <laughs> I was kind of like, that's a good way to get rid of them. I mean, that I'm applauding D and D in that scene. I'm like, you know, that's a good way to just kind of clean smart, her guys. You know, because I know that you're basically just going to kill everybody <laughs> off anyway. So let's just take half of them and put them in a building and just blow it all Save up. Save money. <laughs> let's just blow it all. And up. I did like how they kind of made her embody the Mad King. Yes. At that point, mm-hmm. that was very. That that was okay. good. I like that a okay, lot. Okay, we're getting off topic. I'm sorry. We okay. We're talking about how much we love Cersei okay, now. Okay, so well, since we're talking about blowing it up, let's talk about how the High Sparrow was awful. Even more of an annoying twat. Okay, this guy. The High Sparrow was insane for me. I had such a hard time with him. When he first came in, you saw him as kind of, you know, you're like, oh, that's not a bad guy. I get what he's coming from. He's trying to help the poor, feed the needy. Uh, first of all, let's mention Cersei brought his ass in to go after Marjorie and the Tyrell. She wanted to rid her house of them. But he was a little bit of a maniac and he seemed a little obsessed with religious control. And to some people, including me, that can be a little scary. Uh, watching some of our favorite characters become imprisoned for doing things just because the gods don't agree with them was also a little terrifying to me. I mean, you're seeing like a gay man get imprisoned and Marjorie's being imprisoned for just what being sexy. I don't know. I just, oh, he, you mean like cr- just being a Christian? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not trying to get political in no, here. No, we're not. We're not. Nothing we're not. against anybody's religion. Don't get me wrong. I've just had a lot of like scary kind of experiences in my life with religion in general. So he kind of made me a little uncomfortable because he it hit a little too close to home. And it's funny to mention that Jonathan Price, who played the High Sparrow, don't get me wrong, fantastic job. He's a great actor. Oh, he did great. And I'm not trying to hate on him as as an actor, but he was shocked that people were scared of him. I'm like, why do you think that is? You maybe you were a little too good playing this role. He was shocked Uh, that people didn't like his character. You're you're crazy. I'm shocked that he was shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, I feel like once you read the script, you're like, oh yeah, people are gonna like me. I'm gonna play on this. Oh yeah, I'm just like the Pope. You look like the Pope, but you ain't like the Pope. No, no one's like the Pope. No one's like the Pope. Like, at least not Pope Francis. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm shocked that he was shocked <laughs> that after reading the script, that's like Joffrey being like, oh, people didn't <gasps> people like me. People don't like me. <laughs> what? What's wrong with you guys? I don't understand. I thought, thought I was everybody's friend. I was cool. I had a crossbow. <laughs> but look, okay. Don't get me wrong. Seeing Cersei get what was coming for her was amazing because you know going this is where we go back and forth with Cersei we love her but we hate her and we know she deserves all the things so that come Peter to her that we're on with her yes. all the time so it was really good to kind of see her kind of like from you know I'm, I'm gonna get Marjorie I'm gonna get Lancel or not Lancel I'm gonna draw a blank Marjorie's brother oh um the Rose Knight Knights oh, of Roses shit. I can't remember his name either anyways it was good to kind of see Cersei get that imprisoned but the walk of shame was hard for me to watch but that's in part to Lena Headey's performance. She was phenomenal in I that I did walk. not have a hard time watching that at all, actually. I really enjoyed I, that episode. I did. I did. I, when it first started, it was kind of like, yes, like she's getting it. She's, she's getting her punishment. But when it got towards the end and she starts breaking down, it's kind of like breaking away those shells of a person like with Jamie. But 
to Cersei, it went in a different direction. It wasn't in a redemption for good. It just made her worse. Right. But it was and hard to watch because you see her breaking down. And as a person, as a human being seeing that and people throwing shit at her. I mean, I just, it made me so kind of tear up a little one bit. One of the things I really enjoyed about that scene was they really put you in Cersei's perspective during that scene. Like, so you're standing where Cersei was standing and it would pan over toward the castle is where King's Landing. She'd go a few miles and she'd look up and you could see how much closer she's getting to King's Landing. And so in your mind, you're like, She's like, I see my goal. I'm, she's like, I just need to make it to right. the castle. And I really liked how they shot that scene because you are really feeling seriously at that mm-hmm. point because you're like, I'm almost there. Every time you look up, the castle's getting a little bigger into view and you're getting a little closer. And you really do feel for her at that point because she is in such a broken down state and she's done. Right. Like, she is done. She's like, over it. People are shaking their wieners at her. And, <laughs> and they're throwing poop on her. I mean, I don't blame calm, her for blowing up the after that. I really don't. Right. First of all, I'd, we already talked about it. I don't miss anybody that she blew up. <laughs> no. I really had no feelings for Marjorie no. or anybody there. But I just, I really did enjoy the way the scene was panned and shot because you really felt in the moment in the moment with Cersei getting closer and closer. And then, like, when you're right there at the bridge to the castle at King's Landing, you're like, oh my God, we did it. Like, I am done and I'm back home. Yeah. And I gotta, I feel like such a bad person for talking Cersei up. I really do. But I gotta commend her in her role where she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna confess and I'm gonna get it over with and get the hell out of here. And then y'all are gonna feel my wrath. I'm totally on board with that because I probably would have done the same thing. She had to get herself out of that situation because she realized nobody was coming for her. And not to kind of get off topic here. But I'm go gonna ahead, go there. Go ahead. Go, go, so, girl. Do you? <laughs> so in the my quote of my life, in the books, she writes to Jamie and she's pleading Jamie for help. And she's like, I need you. Come save me. They've got me captive. In the books, she framed Marjorie. She went to the high sparrow and she was like, Marjorie's having orgies. She's not pure. She's gonna marry my son but she's a whore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they take Marjorie and they bring her off and she gets whatever. They put her in a cell. Well, and then Marjorie's like, huh, she's sleeping with her brother. And they're like, oh, well, that's not good either. So they take her. That's just clean house. <laughs> right. And so they're like, you need to come with us. And so they put her in a chamber and Cersei, you know, she's tough and she's not going to, she doesn't put up with a lot of things. And she's like, I'm going to survive. Like, I'm going to get through this. And of course, she goes first to Jamie. And she's like, Jamie, come save me. Come help me. And he's in the Riverlands and he's fighting a war. And mm-hmm. he ta- basically takes her letter, reads it. He's just like, throws it away. He's like, no, yeah. he's done with her. Because yeah. he, at this point in the books, he was done with her. And the show. They waited. And the show, they waited a little bit. Yeah. So after she realizes she gets no response from Jamie, she's like, he's not coming to help me. My son can't help me. No one's going to help me. I need to get myself out of this, which you have to respect a little bit of someone being like, I'm going to do what I need to do because I need to get back to King's Landing and I need to get control because I am the queen. Right. Well, in her mind. In her mind. (laughs) And so she she does what she needs to do to get where she is. And she's like, you know what? Forget it. If I have to do this walk, I'm going to do this walk and I'm going to get my ass back to King's Landing and I'm going to show you all who's boss when I'm back there. Sorry. And she becomes boss bitch when she gets back there. That's why I have such a hard time with Cersei's character because George R. R. Martin knows how to write a strong female. Yes. But he also knows how to write a strong female who's a piece of shit. And it's really hard to like... And he also knows how to write rape scenes about women, but we won't go there. We won't go there. But like, it's it's hard for me to get behind her fully because I know she's done really atrocious things, but I respect her. 
as like, a woman. We, can't ca- we cannot <laughs> categorize her. We can neither say she's our favorite character or the worst character because she's in the middle. She's like right. I could go either way. I would drink a glass of wine. I with think her I day. feel like I like her more than I that I don't like. I like her more than I dislike her. True. Not because she's a good person, just because she's crafty at what she does and she's smart and she sticks up for herself and she's always saying, "I wish I was born a man." But now she's proven herself. Maybe not in the most morally reprehensible ways, if that's the right word. I like it. Okay, go with it. Um, but anyways, get back on topic with the High Sparrow. <laughs> high Sparrow was something else. He started off when we first met him. He seemed like a humble man. I mean, he was just out there trying to help anybody that needed help, really. And I mean, you could get behind that. You're like, you know, oh, you're charitable. You're you're feeding people. You're humble. You're out here in a rag. No shoes. You know, I get it. I get the whole the vibe going on here. That's cool. Um, He was justified for being a shepherd to the poor and unworthy of Westeros, people who needed a voice in that time because Cersei and, you know, everybody was kind of in control and making all these crazy decisions and treating people like shit. So he's standing up for them. So that was something that you could look to him towards. Kind of. A little bit. But then he kind of went off the deep end. I feel like he has a god complex behind him. This is where I'm getting at. When we first meet him, you don't really see that. He went off the deep end, especially after he captured Cersei, after Cersei was arrested through the High Sparrow Legion of Crazy Men. (laughs) (laughs) That's her official name. (laughs) Maybe he was fanatical, but I don't think so. Um, He just disturbed me. And when Cersei blew up the sept again, standing ovation all around. All around. All around. I don't know. I don't know what your opinions are on the High Sparrow. I don't miss him. I don't miss him. I'm not mad that she blew him up. You know, I I remember watching that season and every time a scene would come on with the High Sparrow, we were like, oh, (laughs) that would be like our bathroom break. So annoying. Get our glasses refilled. So he. I'm not getting political, but he had very much a God complex and he acted like any priest does. Basically, he's like, I'm so good. I follow God. But yeah, I'm going to go behind your back and be an unworthy individual. And I'm pretty sure that's where they wanted to go. Yeah, they took it that way, of course. But I, I mean, just, I, like I feel like they probably went like Catholic priest almost yeah. with him. You know, I can the, see that with the thou shalt not do anything that's not holy. Well, the extremist, like yeah. he's, he's an extremist in all regards. Very much so. Yeah, very. Much and I so. just feel like they probably took that. I mean, you're putting people in jail cells and torturing them because they live a, a way of life that you don't agree with. What? Why is that, that not scary to anybody else? Right. And, you know, and like Tommen was afraid to go war against him because he had five guys with with a, a blood thing shaved in <laughs> on their head. I mean, like you could have totally, like Tommen could have totally went to war and I, I don't mean, know. Tommen could have cleaned house. We're not going to get into I'm it, but again, Jonathan Price, getting, I mean, you're, you're really yeah. shocked that people didn't like your character. You're, you should have read the script maybe more than once. Probably. You did a great job convincing me that I'm terrified of you, but yeah, your, your character is terrifying. <laughs> don't and you be, did a great job acting. Yeah. So applaud to you. And I'm not sad that you died. No. <laughs> Move on with your life. Find another role. Uh, so the very end of our podcast, we want to talk about some pop culture. Just lighten the mood a little bit. Let's let's just bring this back up. Uh, and I love, love Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie's wedding. Oh, my God. I'm covered in goosebumps. Look, <sighs> remember when they were dating? And we're like, oh my god, they're really together. And remember, then they broke up. And they broke up. Do you remember though? Like yeah. when all the Game of Thrones characters were in like this YouTube video and they're in a studio oh, and they were singing the songs with Coldplay. Yes. And then and Jon Snow was singing Wild Thing and yes. he kept pointing and at she's her. She's eating the fries. And he couldn't wing, so he just kept blinking at her. <laughs> and he was like singing something and someone made a comment and Rose was like, You know nothing. Like she's like he yelling was, like, at people. Wild thing. I feel like that's you their relationship in a nutshell. They're so cute. I'm so glad they got married. You have no idea how happy it makes me. Like seeing them. At their wedding and just how cute they are together. You saw how nervous Kit Harrington was. Yes. Oh, 
They're it was so just sweet. I love that they got married. And Rose I love Leslie coming out of the car saying hi to all the press out there. I'm like, what a sweetheart. Me, I'd be like, why are you standing outside of my church? I'm about to get married. Can y'all find somewhere else to stand? But like, no, she I'm, comes like, out. She's I'm like, Queen Cersei today. How are y'all? She oh, was so, so good. Cute. She didn't say y'all. She's not country. She didn't say y'all. <laughs> Scottish country version <laughs> of Rose Leslie right here. Hi, y'all. Thanks so much for coming, y'all. So sweet to see y'all. Oh, y'all like so Carrie sweet. Underwood. God damn it. I'm an idiot. I, I, I love, I love their wedding pictures. I love, I also loved seeing Richard Madden and his Scottish getup and his ah! kilt. I mean, did we steal the show? Maybe Richard. You knew what you were doing. He, he was Legs like, for days. First of all, he's not wearing underwear underneath that kill. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> and we all know this. Let it breathe. <laughs> Let it be free. <laughs> and I love that all the Game of Thrones cast was there. I mean, that's my ideal wedding right there. I mean, I don't have to be Kit Harrington or Rose no, Leslie. Let me, let me just have my guest list be the entire cast. Let me cast just be of part Game of, of that wedding party and just, and just hang out with all the cast members from Game of Thrones. Was Sir Davos there? I didn't catch that. I don't remember. But I, I do remember how... I feel really bad I call them by their character's name. I know their names. I'm just a little Liam. Drunk. Yeah. It's okay. Well, um... <laughs> okay, you're going to tell me. What's Sansa's name again? Her real name. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. So it's Sophie like turns up in these knee-high boots and then a, a jacket that covers her thighs. Girl, I'm not trying to hate. I'm not slut-shaming anybody, but she was not dressed for a wedding. That was not cute. She looks like she's gone to the club. I didn't like her outfit. Maisie Williams looked really cute, though. Oh, she did. I liked her little pantsuit. Or was it a pantsuit or was it like a jumper? I think it was a jumper, maybe. I like that a lot. She looks really good. I mean, I get if it was like cash. But this was a wedding. But, and but see, up, Sophie Turner wasn't she, cash. She turned up like she was a dumb matrix going she to the club. She looked like a go-go dancer. Yeah, I didn't... I wouldn't have appreciated that. No, I mean, Leslie Sophie. probably didn't care, but... No, she's probably like, yeah, I'll just come in your jeans. Yeah. It's a country wedding. It's a country wedding. <laughs> Scottish. <laughs> My Rose Leslie impression is on point. <laughs> well, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, this is our second episode. We're still working through some of our kinks and trying to and figure out our flow of our shows. We would appreciate it if you guys would leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Or give us a follow on Spotify, whatever you prefer. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Like we said, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Um, please follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. If you guys want to direct message us or tweet at us, we will totally tweet you guys back. Like, we're here to you guys. We're thinking maybe in the future we want to do some live episodes and maybe have you guys join in and talk to us while we're recording. Tell us how stupid we are. <laughs> we're here for it. Right. We're living. We're, we, we just want the interaction of, of everyone here with us. We want fans. We're our only fans right now. <laughs> Number one fan club. Number one fan club right here talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, Barb, you want to end the show with a uh, quote from Tyrion? Absolutely. Everything's better with some wine in the belly.